the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability, The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. And here we are, thanking you for being a part of the program as well. We are going to continue our way through the final books of the Pauline epistles. These letters, many of them written from prison after the books of First and Second Corinthians. And of course, we read the letter that he wrote to the group of churches in Galatia, then the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians. Philippians, the church in Philippi. Now, many of these letters were written to known congregations, and Paul often lists the names of people that he remembers in these different congregations. But traditionally, historically, we know that they were shared. They were read to the congregations of that era, that time. Then they were copied and began to be read to congregations in other parts of the empire as the decades and the centuries passed. They were read to congregations, giving spiritual guidance and leadership from the first century voice of the Apostle Paul, with his closeness to the historical events of the life of the Messiah, Jesus. So we have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then to the church in Colossae, and in Thessalonica, First and Second Thessalonians. And then we get into a series of letters that he wrote to a couple of young pastors, young men that he had been involved in their lives. He had been a part of discipling and training them a new generation of young leaders. And the first of those, the second generation Christians, was a young man named Timothy. We've read First Timothy. We're reading the second letter that he wrote to Timothy at this present time. We'll be finishing that up tonight. And then reading the letter to Titus, another young pastor that Paul knew, befriended, and discipled. And then we'll be reading a very interesting letter, a very personal letter. Paul, in Rome, came in contact with a slave. Don't get scandalized by the word slave. Half of the people of the Roman Empire lived in slavery. So this was a part of the reality of their existence. Onesimus was his name. Paul leads him to faith in God and Christ. 
And then he sends Onesimus back to his master named Philemon with this beautiful letter. You're going to be surprised at its contents. So we'll enjoy that together tonight. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. We'll pick up with the first half of Proverbs chapter 26, another series of sayings about leadership. Proverbs 26, 1 through 12. Honor doesn't go with fools any more than snow with summer or rain with harvest. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an unfair curse will not land on its intended victim. Guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool with a rod to his back. When arguing with fools, don't answer their foolish arguments, or you will become as foolish as they are. When arguing with fools, be sure to answer their foolish arguments, or they will become wise in their own estimation. Trusting a fool to convey a message is as foolish as cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. In the mouth of a fool, a proverb becomes as limp as a paralyzed leg. Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. A proverb in a fool's mouth is as dangerous as a thorn bush brandished by a drunkard. An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots recklessly. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. End of reading, Proverbs 26, 1 through 12. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bible Live. Uh, did you notice that in the proverb that verses 4 and 5 of Proverbs chapter 26, almost a direct contradiction. One says, be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools. And the other one says, be sure not to answer the foolish argument of fools. It may seem like a contradiction, but as you look at them, they are separate bits of wisdom, and they apply at different times. Sometimes it is wise to answer the arguments of a fool, and sometimes it is wise not to answer them for the reasons given there. Very, very interesting passage right next to each other, telling you to do one thing and then telling you not to do the same thing. But it just requires judgment on our part to know who we are talking with, and how teachable they might be, and how others listening to our discussion might be influenced as well. Very interesting proverb. Now let's go to Second Timothy. We're picking up in chapter 2, verse 20. These warnings and guidance and instructions about how to successfully disciple people in the context of a local church. Second Timothy 2.20, through the books of Titus and Philemon. Second Timothy 2, in a wealthy home... Some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for His purpose. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. 
Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. They should gently teach those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will believe the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. 2 Timothy 3 You should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. You must stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by many desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they never understand the truth. And these teachers fight the truth, just as John is and Jambres fought against Moses. Their minds are depraved, and their faith is counterfeit, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as happened with Johnny's and Jambres. But you know what I teach, Timothy, and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and how long I have suffered. You know my love and my patient endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord delivered me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will go on deceiving others, and they themselves will be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Timothy 4 And so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. 
And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that great day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his glorious return. Please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also, bring my books, and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one was with me. Everyone had abandoned me. I hope it will not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength, that I might preach the good news in all its fullness for all the Gentiles to hear. And he saved me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living at the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed at Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Hurry so you can get here before winter. Eubulus sends you greetings, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. May the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Book of Titus, Titus 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to bring faith to those God has chosen, and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them the confidence of eternal life, which God promised them before the world began, and He cannot lie. And now, at the right time, He has revealed this good news, and we announce it to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior that I have been trusted to do this work for Him. This letter is written to Titus, my true child in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. An elder must be well thought of for his good life. He must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who are not wild or rebellious. An elder must live a blameless life because he is God's minister. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or greedy for money. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must love all that is good. He must live wisely and be fair. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong and steadfast belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with right teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. For there are many who rebel against right teaching. They engage in useless talk and deceive people. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced. By their wrong teaching, they have already turned whole families away from the truth. Such teachers only want your money. One of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, The people of Crete are all liars. They are cruel animals and lazy gluttons. This is true, so rebuke them as sternly as necessary to make them strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths. 
and the commands of people who have turned their backs on the truth. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving, because their minds and consciences are defiled. Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They are despicable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Titus 2. But as for you, promote the kind of living that reflects right teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have strong faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that is appropriate for someone serving the Lord. They must not go around speaking evil of others and must not be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to take care of their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely in all they do, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good deeds of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Let your teaching be so correct that it can't be criticized. Then those who want to argue will be ashamed because they won't have anything bad to say about us. Slaves must obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but they must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God. While we look forward to that wonderful event, when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing what is right. You must teach these things and encourage your people to do them, correcting them when necessary. You have the authority to do this, so don't let anyone ignore you or disregard what you say. Titus 3 Remind your people to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not speak evil of anyone, and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated others, and they hated us. But then God, our Savior, showed us His kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did. He declared us not guilty because of His great kindness. And now we know that we will inherit eternal life. These things I have told you are all true. I want you to insist on them so that everyone who trusts in God will be careful to do good deeds all the time. These things are good and beneficial for everyone. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These kinds of things are useless and a waste of time. If anyone is causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. 
After that, have nothing more to do with that person. For people like that have turned away from the truth. They are sinning and they condemn themselves. I am planning to send either Artemis or Tychicus to you. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis as quickly as you can, for I have decided to stay there for the winter. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need, for our people should not have unproductive lives. They must learn to do good by helping others who have urgent needs. Everybody here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to all of the believers who love us. May God's grace be with you all. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The book of Philemon, Philemon 1. This letter is from Paul, in prison for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. It is written to Philemon, our much-loved co-worker, and to our sister Aphia, and to Archippus, a fellow soldier of the cross. I am also writing to the church that meets in your house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing of your trust in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. You are generous because of your faith, and I am praying that you will really put your generosity to work. For in doing so, you will come to an understanding of all the good things we can do for Christ. I myself have gained much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because your kindness has so often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, I prefer just to ask you. So take this as a request from your friend Paul, an old man now in prison for the sake of Christ Jesus. My plea is that you show kindness to Onesimus. I think of him as my own son because he became a believer as a result of my ministry here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I really wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent, and I didn't want you to help because you were forced to do it, but because you wanted to. Perhaps you could think of it this way. Onesimus ran away for a little while so you could have him back forever. He is no longer just a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a slave and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, give him the same welcome you would give me if I were coming. If he has harmed you in any way or stolen anything from you, charge me for it. I, Paul, write this in my own handwriting. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, dear brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. Please keep a guest room ready for me, for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. End of reading 2 Timothy 2.20 through the books of Titus and Philemon.
have just finished reading these letters that Paul wrote to two young men that he had been discipling. He had been pouring his heart and life into Timothy and Titus, nurturing them in their faith, nurturing them as people, giving them his time and his energy, his counsel, his friendship. The ministry of the gospel was never envisioned as a ministry of addition only, where you have Dr. High Voltage and a whole set of people who are gifted, telling people about God and everybody else. All we do once we come to Christ is love God and walk with God and get in our churches and send money to those gifted people. That is not the imagery of the New Testament. The imagery of the New Testament is that all of us are called to ministry. We all receive the same gospel. We grow, become stable, with the end that each and every one of us become a multiplying spiritual being, that we are able to introduce others to Christ, we are able to build them up in their faith, and then we are able to equip them and send them on to do the same thing in the lives of other people. That gets us into a movement of spiritual multiplication. You cannot understand Paul's attitude and instructions about ministry without understanding that it involved the uh, admonition to be spiritual multipliers. We must win, build, equip, and send others into the harvest. What a joy. What a delight. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. The time of my death is near. What a wonderful thing to be able to look back on a life of faithful service and commitment, difficult as it was, and, and imperfect. Paul was not perfect. And yet, to be able to, in general, to look back and know that we've been faithful to the calling. I hope that you can feel that way. You want to be able to look back with no regrets and with great joy that your life has been well-lived and well-invested. Titus is told the same. Titus is a young believer that had a different history with Paul. He was a Greek believer. He stood with Paul before the leaders of the church in Jerusalem at the council, remember, as a living example of what Christ was doing among the Gentiles. He got sent to the island of Crete on a special mission to give the church there assistance in growing. And, of course, Paul gives them wise pastoral counsel. Our final readings from the Pauline epistles, after we spend some time now in the Hebrew scriptures, we'll come back and pick up at the great book of Hebrews. But what a powerful message tonight to these young preachers, these young disciples. And I found this message to Philemon very touching. The Roman, Greek, Jewish cultures of the first century were littered with barriers as society assigned people to strict classes and they expected them to stay in their place. Men separated from women and slaves from the freed and rich from the poor, Jews and Gentiles, Greeks, barbarians and pagan from the religious and so on. But with the message of Christ, the walls came down and Paul could declare, as he did in the book of Colossians, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, woman, male. We are one in Christ, and that's all that matters. See you next time. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. 
start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 